0: Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text is one of the longer hymns Psalm 89. Amaskel, of Ethan the Ezraite, I will sing of the steadfast love of Yahweh forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Salah. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Yahweh, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to Yahweh? Who among the heavenly beings is like Yahweh, a God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him? O Yahweh, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Yahweh, with your faithfulness all around you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon joyously praise your name. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand. High your right hand righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Yahweh, in the light of your face, who exult in your name all the day, and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor our horn is exalted, for our shield belongs to Yahweh, our King to the Holy One of Israel. Of old you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said, I have granted help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea, and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever, and his throne as the days of the heavens. If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once for all I have sworn by my holiness. I will not lie to David his offspring shall endure forever, his throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. Salah. But now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust." you have breached all his walls, you have laid his strongholds in ruins, all who pass by plunder him, he has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes, you have made all his enemies rejoice, you have also turned back the edge of his sword, and you have not made him stand in battle. You have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground, you have cut short the days of his youth, you have covered him with shame. Salah. How long, O Yahweh? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created all the children of man. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Salah. Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked, and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations, with which your enemies mock, O Yahweh, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be Yahweh forever. Amen and amen. This is the word of the Lord. At first glance, this could seem like a strange psalm to you, almost like the the hymn writer is is of two entirely different minds. On the one hand, praising God. On the other hand, wondering where God went, why God isn't fulfilling his promises. But they do fit together. And I want to point that to you right away in verse 1. You've heard now the text. You know the darkness that this psalmist is mourning and grieving. What is bothering Ethan? Verse 1, I will sing of the steadfast love of Yahweh forever. Steadfast love, God's faithfulness, his covenant faithfulness, his mercy, his never-ending care for his people. The psalmist Ethan recognizes the plight that faces the people of God at that moment, and he sings God's praise to hold God to his promises. This is something I would encourage you to do, and probably do it regularly. We live in a broken and sin-filled world. The days are dark, and they seem to only get darker. I think 2 Timothy chapter 3 pretty much promises that to be the case. It sometimes feels like the enemy is one, It sometimes feels like God has forgotten us, rejected us, like he's not coming back. That's a good family conversation point, by the way. Do you ever feel like this? Do you ever feel rejected by God? Do you ever feel alone? Those are great things to talk about because that leads into what the psalm is doing, which is to hold God to his promises. It's a prayer that God would do what God promised he would do. And this we pray too. This is the last prayer of Holy Scripture, right right before the end, one verse away from the end of the book of Revelation. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus said, Surely I am coming soon. And that's our response. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Four words. It's a simple prayer, maybe the simplest prayer you could ever possibly memorize, and we're to pray it every day. Pray that prayer every day, trusting that God will be faithful to the promise that he has made. Hold him to it. Keep lifting it up before him. That's what Ethan's doing. He knows the promise God has made. He's going to bring it before God, bringing his petition to the Lord in prayer that the Lord would hear and the Lord would fulfill his promise. Now, is that necessary? No, God will keep his promise anyway. However, it does encourage our faith. It does build us up as we seek to follow the Lord in the midst of the darkness. Satan is still fighting. He still wants to destroy you. And prayer is a powerful weapon that the Lord gives against the devil's attacks and temptations. All right, so Psalm 89 is a mascal, a particularly skillful piece of hymnody, of Ethan the Ezraite. Just like Psalm 88 was Heman the Ezraite. That was Heman's only psalm. This is Ethan's only psalm. Now, the context here is going to depend on who this Ethan actually is. If this is the same Ethan mentioned in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, together with Asaph and Heman, then we're talking about somebody appointed by King David. And so most likely our context for this psalm would be that he has lived long enough to see the kingdom split in two. That after Solomon's rejection of God, and God brings the judgment upon his son Rehoboam's reign, and within the first couple of months, ten and a half, basically, of the tribes, leave and become the northern kingdom of Israel, whereas Rehoboam is left with just the small southern remnant that will take on the name of Judah, with the capital remaining in Jerusalem, where he sits on the throne. That could be, However, it is also a possibility that this could be a later man by the name of Ethan. So he might be living through the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel by the Assyrians in 722. Maybe he's living through uh, 600 to 587, the the attacks of Babylon against Jerusalem that culminate in the destruction of the temple. That would fit with some of the, the language in verse 39 and 40 about the walls being breached, the stronghold being in ruins. It's hard to say for certain, but those are the the likely contexts for this psalm. This is the only psalm that we have from Ethan in Scripture. So again, we've already talked about verse 1. That's the prominent focal point of this, this psalm, that family conversation, is to recognize that the Lord has promised, and so we share that promise. We continue to trust in that promise and hold him to it, too, in prayer. Ethan then says he will make known God's faithfulness to all generations. It certainly as a psalmist, a reference to praise, that he's going to praise God so others can hear him. Children do this in our culture. They are willing to sing of Jesus even at a little age. But at some point, peer pressure, perhaps, drives that away from us. And we stop. We stop proclaiming his name among the peoples. May the Lord bring us to repent of this tragedy. May he give us the courage to sing his name among the peoples. So, many things God is going to be praised for in the opening half of this psalm. Well, probably more than half of the psalm. So we have the idea that he made a covenant with his chosen one. So that would be David. Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 and following, that he would place one of his descendants on the throne forever. We know that to be a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And that is a prophecy that indeed, as Ethan has asked, that a promise would be fulfilled, and it is in Christ. That kingdom endures forever. Jesus is a descendant and offspring of David, which is the point belabored by the genealogies of Matthew and Luke. Let the heavens praise your wonders, so the mighty acts, the miracles, and the works God has done. The heavens could be a reference to actual creation, praising, but also to the angels who are created too, but you get the picture, that the angels would praise God for his works, and they do. We see that regularly in the book of Revelation. Your faithfulness in the presence of the holy ones could be a reference to angels again, to go that direction, But it could also be god's people his church the assembly the congregation who in the skies can be compared to yahweh again whenever you see a question you can always let your kids answer those question marks none no one who among the heavenly beings the angels is like yahweh no one this is even great that the archangel michael so chief of the angels michael's name literally in hebrew means who is like god question mark right it's a question it's the same question there's no one like god so even the the archangel's name is that same meaning a recognition of humility that there is no one as great as the lord he is to be feared in the council of the holy ones that seems to be a reference then to the angels awesome above all who are around him so the angels fear the lord they praise him day and night verse 8 Yahweh, God of hosts, that's word for army there, by the way. Who is as mighty as you are? Again, there is none, so great praise Ethan is giving to God here. And then he talks of ruling the raging of the sea, that he stills the sea. You might ask your children to pick up on that one. When did God still the sea? We're going to talk about Jesus in the Gospels, right, Who who calms the storm, who takes that that very dangerous storm that was even causing boats to sink, and he simply tells it to stop, and it stops because he's God. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. It's Isaiah 51, verse 9. Rahab is uh, referred to as a a sea monster. So not Rahab the prostitute here, but just as we talked about with Psalm 87 a couple days ago, where Rahab was described as synonymous to Egypt in that way, but as a beast that God has defeated. So he's defeated both beast and man. Nothing is too strong for the Lord. He conquers his enemies. To him belong the heavens and the earth, the world and all that is in it. Very true. Everything we own, we don't own. Everything belongs to God. Cattle and a thousand hills are his. The north and the south, you've created them, so everything Tabor and Hermon, a couple of mountain ranges. Tabor is five miles southwest of the Sea of Canareth. Hermon, 20 miles north of the Sea of Canareth. God made them both. And so even creation again praises him. A mighty arm, a reference to fighting, strength. Righteousness, justice, the foundation of your throne. We talk that way sometimes, that the foundation of a king, uh, referring to basically what, what undergirds, what strengthens his rule, what supports it. God's reign is supported by his righteousness and justice. That is that he is perfect. He does what is right. He is just. He does not tolerate sin. But he also cares for those who are, are wronged, harmed. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Wherever the Lord walks, those things are there. His presence brings his faithfulness, his love, his mercy. Blessed are those who know the festal shout, that is, they worship him, right? They've learned the celebrations of the church. Who walk, O Yahweh, in the light of your face. They're in his presence. They receive what he has to give. Exalting in your name all the day. So they they praise God and By God's righteousness, this is the point of the book of Romans, they're exalted, they're lifted up. God's righteousness is given to us in and through Jesus Christ. We're not perfect, but God is, and he gives his perfection to us. That's how he sees us now, through Christ, through his cross. You are the glory of their strength. Your favor, our horn, is exalted. So Israel's strength is a reference to the king. Their horn is a reference to the king and his power. Our shield is a reference to the king and how he defends the people. So our king, verse 18b, becomes synonymous to all of those other statements in verses 17 and 18. God is their strength. God lifts up their king. And we would see a very clear parallel then to Jesus in this, that Jesus is our king the Holy One of Israel, that the Lord strengthens and supports. Then he goes into a vision God gave to his godly one. That's a reference to Samuel the prophet, that he had raised up an exalted one from among the people, David. Anointing him with holy oil, they anointed their kings, marking them as separate, set apart for a specific purpose. The enemy would not outwit him, David, a very great warrior king for the, the, the people of God crush his foes before him. It's not really David that slays Goliath. It's by trust in the Lord. The Lord wins that battle, and many others for King David. My faithfulness, steadfast love will be with him. In my name shall his horn, that is his power, his reign as king, be exalted. And this is all true. i to kind of skip ahead on some of this. We got to get through Lots of praise here. My steadfast love, I will keep him forever. My covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever. However, verse 30, if his children forsake the Lord, if they turn away from him, God will punish their transgressions, verse 32, with the rod, which is a picture of discipline oftentimes in Scripture. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. I will not lie to David. I have sworn by my holiness. God will keep his promise. That's the picture. That's the theme of this psalm to grasp as a family. God will keep his promise. No amount of man's sin can destroy the promise of God. Israel rebelled tragically against god and yet he kept his promise anyway he lifts them up out of the ashes by the blood of his son jesus a blood which takes away all of our sin he is faithful even though we aren't so we get into that next section then of the feeling of rejection at verse 38 you have renounced the covenant with your servant defiled his crown in the dust. Again, recognizing this is God's judgment. God has brought this upon him. Israel lay in ruins. What the context is there? Is it Rehoboam? Is it Assyria? Is it Babylon? Hard to say for sure. God's judgment has come. That's the picture Ethan sees. God's people are mocked. His king, king over his people, is basically seen by the world to be a fool a no one, made fun of, not a threat. How long, O oh Yahweh, will you hide yourself forever? The answer to that question is a definite no, as Jesus comes to save us. How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. Ethan wants to seek better days. Better days come in paradise. Again, 2 Timothy 3 very specifically gets to that idea. Can man live and never see death? No. Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? That is death. The answer to that is only Jesus. The Lord does this. Lord, where is your steadfast love? By your faithfulness, you swore to David. It's coming. It's coming in Jesus. Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked. How I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations. This is like Matthew 5, where Jesus said that we are blessed when others persecute us on account of his name. So it is for this man, Ethan, here. And so he mourns what he's seeing around him. And yet, even then, he ends this hymn with the words, Blessed be Yahweh forever. Amen and amen. Things are going awful for him. And that's what he says. Blessed be Yahweh. He praises his name. God is good. God is king, no matter what our lot in this life. If things look great, if things look terrible, if things are up today or down today, it doesn't make a difference. God is God. God is in control, and you are his. Thanks be to God. Hold on to those promises. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Amen.